All right. Hello and welcome back to the Diamonds and Rough podcast. Blah, blah, blah. I'm joined by Brett and Will. We're talking about the NBA playoffs and finals and how depressed we are, except for Will. Will is not depressed. I think Will may be a little mad because the Bucks would have won if they were in the position with Middleton, right? No, I, I'm so mad for a variety of reasons, but you guys are sad. I'm not sad. Yeah, no, I corrected myself. You are not sad. Um, we are sad for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. I um, it. But I don't know. I mean, it sucks to see Tatum play like that after the playoffs he had. But a stat I saw was he played over 500 more minutes than any other player regular season and playoffs combined. Well, can we can we start with that? Actually, that's a good point. I see people flaming to I don't I don't think he had that bad of a series when you factor in all aspects of basketball. Okay, defensively he was good. And from the outside he was good. The only thing he did bad was turnovers and that weird flailing euro step two-point shot that he like does so much. Yeah, I mean, the thing is though like 100 turnovers in 24 games is just abysmal. I mean, that's over four turnovers a game, and that's just tough to win um, at all, especially with the scoring output he had in the finals, right? Because that was – I think what it was was defensively he was good. Game one, honestly, might have been his best game, and he didn't shoot well. Well, I'd say game two, but – they got blown out, so it didn't really matter. Um, but game one was his best of him realizing, hey, I'm I can't shoot, but I can facilitate and play great defense. And that's what he did. Um, but Brett, what are your thoughts on like Tatum's play? I guess. I mean, yeah, you pretty much summed it up really well. Uh consistent on these on the defensive on the entire series, which is gonna get, you know, overlooked by a lot of people because people look up the uh the shooting statistics and all that kind of stuff and say he played a a terrible series but i think the warriors just kind of figured him out um they just made a game plan for him and they stuck to it and it worked really well um something that the the celtics couldn't do for steph curry very obviously um yeah it's just uh i don't think the entire series is on him by any stretch but He's definitely got a lot to work on in the offseason to, to kind of add more moves to his skill set. And I don't know. It, it, it's just like it's really tough to, to see because uh, he, uh, like you said, the, the amount of minutes he played, he's just not used to a run of that length. They played three or two game sevens and a game six. Um, that's just that's just really tough to, to handle, especially for a guy at his age trying to handle not only the physical pressure of a, of a playoff run that long, but just the mental because everybody expects him to be that guy when he's still super young. When I say super young, he's what, 25, but 24, 24, but I think he's still, he's still got a long way to go. And I think that the, that final series showed a lot about how that the, the team's just very inexperienced. They're still super young. They just, they can, you could tell that they had not been to that stage yet. Um, but as a Celtics fan, it was really promising to see them get to that point and then push, you know, 
the the dynasty of the Warriors to, to six games. So uh, a little more optimistic than uh, than I thought I'd be, but uh, <laughs> it's a few uh, days out. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely still tough to see, but um, just seeing the the balance and leaps that Tatum has made into his game, I'm, I have no doubt that he'll come back better and stronger next year. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's just kind of a learning experience and just kind of move on and don't let it affect you know seasons to come. I definitely like I was obviously at Game Six, right? So I got to hear all the you know after the game when everyone. St- thought and of course Boston fans were annoying as hell saying like trade them and stuff like that which is ridiculous but like I think like looking back on it if you really want to say something it's like look game six was his worst game of the of the finals right in totality right if you think about everything if he played well game six and they lost, no one I think is going at Tatum as much as they are. Right. Um, but I mean, Hey, like he, he only missed six games in the regular season and played 36 minutes a game. That's how he averaged. And he played 24 games in the playoffs, averaging well over, shouldn't say well over, but like 41 minutes a game. So that's, he played over 100 he played 100 games averaging about 36 37 minutes and for a 24 year old i understand he's like on the younger side but that's just so much time to play and i think it was game 3 or game 4 one of the games i talked to you and i was like i just don't think they have it cuz every shot they take is missing short and that's just a sign that they're tired and you know it's kind of fair to be tired, especially when like, it's also fair for like, you know, being tired to get in the way. Cause they just don't have the experience to be able to calm down. Like the warriors did. Cause you know, I think if the warriors didn't have as much experience after that two, one lead, um, the Celtics had and how loud that game four crowd was, I think a lot of teams wouldn't have been able to handle it truthfully, but um, Will, as a neutral fan, what what are what are your thoughts? I guess on Tatum's play and how the series went and anything like that. Uh, well, I wasn't a neutral fan. I'm sick to my stomach. New- neutral in the sense of like when you're watching the game, although you're rooting for the Celtics, you don't have an allegiance to the Celtics, so you are watching it fairly yeah. unbiasedly. I mean, I. Brad and I think are pretty unbiased, but at the end of the day, we are Celtics fans. And if it's a 50, 50 thought, we're going to go the one favoring the Celtics player. Probably. Well, so some things to consider the Warriors have been one of the best defenses in the league for eight years, you know, with, you know, blips here and there, but this year they had the second best defense in the league. Uh, when you factor in like the playoff experience, I think, I would argue in the playoffs, they're the best defense in the league, Celtics second best. When you factor in that playoff experience, you need a crunch time stop, all that. You have Draymond and Wiggins harassing Tatum the whole series. Um, I, I also think a testament to Tatum is people always credit Steph, even if he shoots bad, uh, with his gravity. I do think Tatum opened up the floor a lot for Jalen Brown, who had a very good statistical series. Um, 24 games, seven rebounds, four assists, solid shooting. 
Um, I really don't think Tatum played as bad as everyone is saying. I think, I think it's so weird to me when people use the stats argument, like the efficiency argument, because in Kobe's first four finals, he, so granted he was three years younger than Tatum for three of those, but okay. So his first finals that he wins, he averages 16 a game on 37% shooting with great defense. Tatum was more efficient than that in this series with a heavier workload still played good defense, not as good as Kobe, obviously. In uh, Kobe's second finals, they beat the Sixers. He shoots 42%, 33% from the three. And then he kills the Nets, plays great. And then against Detroit, which all-time defense, but he shot 38%, 17% from three. And so, I don't know. I think, I think if Tatum's back and they win, people will look at this with much less harshness I think people uh, in today's day and age, especially with social media, you get lit up and then people forget. And then it's just that type of thing. You know, I think I'm ready to call Wiggins one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, um, which I never thought I would have said a year ago. Um, And I think that shows you how much systems matter in the NBA. You just see so many players go to the Warriors and have career years. Yeah, I mean, going from Minnesota to Golden State has to be so huge for your career. I mean, even Kevin Love said it. He was like, I could have had two of those guys early in my career, and I'd be looked at completely differently. He said in an Instagram like comment today or whatever. Um, it just shows how much organizations matter, and that's why, you know, some of them you're just never going to see it, right? There's going to be some players who had, like, spurts and look really good, but because of the system and organization they're in, it's like, you know, they're looked at differently. One I can think of is De'Aaron Fox with the Kings. But I think um, the, the, two, the two thoughts on Tatum as far as, like, why it seemed, like, so bad for me is, like, the missed layups. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's getting the opportunities and he's getting to the, the easy shots that stars do, and he's just missing layups, and it was very – I guess it was just kind of like, what, what's going on here? And then game six, he really just wasn't in it at all. I mean, especially from like, uh, you know, you cut to him in the bench and he's just dead face, not talking to anyone, not cheering. Like he just seemed very out of the game. Um, and, you know, it was surprising to me because obviously like I'm at the game at the 12-2 run, Tatum hit the big three to get the timeout, and they're up 10. And it was just kind of like, you know, I think all Celtics fans were like, this is going to be the blowout we were, like, hoping for. That's what, like, everyone's thought was because they played super hard defense. They were initiating offense. They are smart in the post on Steph and attacking Steph. I think they had an early foul on Clay and Steph. Like, this is, like, three minutes into the game, up 10. Tatum missed the big three, and you're like – okay, this is Tatum's game. This is going to go back to Golden State. And then you see the poise, and then the turnovers start happening again, offensive rebounds, everything like that. Um, But as far as am I nervous for Tatum, things like that, not at all. I mean, if you want to go in history of 24-year-olds, he's all like one of the most accomplished 24-year-olds like ever. (laughs) I mean, you know, he got his first – first team all NBA this year. He's been all-star three of his five years. He's already made a finals. I mean, 
LeBron won a finals, I think, in his eighth year. Kawhi won a finals as a as the star, the main guy in his ninth year. Right. And there's so many you can look at. Right. Um, you know, Steph, I think, won his finals later than Tatum as far as career years, but he was also older. Right. So things like that. Um, so it's not a cause for concern. I think it's like as a Celtics fan, very reassuring that like your two guys, Brown and Tatum show up to the, to the games. Tatum to me was just a tired thing. And I don't know how much his shoulder um, affected it. And I think with an off season, some of the mistakes he was making would be fixed. So to me, it's like Tatum just needs to work on, you know, not making the dumb turnover mistakes, which through film and watching everything he's done, he'll work on. And then finishing. And then, you know, eventually through his prime, he'll add like a post game and things like that. And Jalen, again, with the turnovers and as dumb as it is to dribble, I feel like he has very good handles and then he just forgets how to dribble sometimes. So improving his ball handling and uh, along with everything else, like everyone does is I think their main things, but also reassuring that both of them have been amazing defenders um lately so that's good but the next question i have is where do you rank curry all time now who wants to go first with that uh i mean i think i agree with the the i think it was shaq who said it where they put he put him top 10 at this point because i think it's definitely questionable when you know three finals and he didn't want a single finals appearance and people were like, I don't know. Cause he, that guy like is, or is he just kind of riding, you know, a lucky streak, but he definitely showed this, this finals that he is this type of player that can, you know, carry a team, you know, through the playoffs and, and win a championship. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where I'd put him top 10, probably at 10. I probably have to go through and name every individual player, but I'd, put him like you know like a fringe top 10 yeah for me i don't think it's close i think he like he's in that top 10 and like i think magic's still the best point guard of all time but if i'm constructing a team i think i'd have steph as the point guard just because he's he's also showing like he's the ultimate teammate you want on your team you know um but his finals was ridiculous to me and watching him in person do what he did was also wild to me. Um, although I didn't appreciate the nut shot at the end of the game to Marcus Smart, but <laughs> I don't know if Will you saw that. I I chose to ignore that one. You chose to ignore that one. Okay, yeah. I, I might mean, have missed one. Might have missed. I might have missed one. that. I was like fuming watching that because it was just Smart played aggressive defense and yes he fouled him right but you know he's competing he was passionate they were down 12 it was pretty much over probably really mad and then smart's playing tight defense and curry just nut taps him smart goes down curry gets an easy three and then he does the night night thing and it's just like now i have to see that thing they made a shirt for it i have to see it all the time but i know the play and it's like one of the, like low-key a dirty play you know, I'm not going to, like, crap on Steph, though, but, um, you know, I guess just props to Golden State because also that was a pretty wild crowd, and uh, they were kind of getting brutalized. I mean, 
which like you expect from Boston, I guess. I mean, um, but they surprised me because I was very confident heading into the into the finals. But I do think also, I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, Golden State show they're the better team. I don't even think that still. I feel like the Celtics were the better team and they just kind of choked and gave it up. Like the bench didn't show up at all. The one game they showed up was game win and they got a pretty, not even a dominant road win, but they won one quarter very convincingly and it got them a game one win. I feel like when you win game one on the road, you should be able to pull it out. Um, But then all the bench guys disappeared. Um, And yeah, that's, that's pretty much all my thoughts on the finals. I don't know if you guys have anything else. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, I it's tough because you're lagging a little bit, John. I don't know if you hear that well, but um, I think a lot of it, especially when you said, you know, like when you were talking about Tatum, stone face on the bench. I think, I, I mean, at least I hope as a Celtics fan, and it comes with time, is the um, is the leadership kind of comes through a little bit because. You know, Horford can only do so much as a veteran, and they think, you know, the the star on a team needs to kind of have that veteran, regardless of how old they are, has to have that leadership, that veteran kind of presence. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I don't know, Kemba level where, you know, he's clapping the whole game and all that kind of crap, but just have a thing where you need the the other guys need a guy to look up to and look to to kind of solidify them throughout the series. And especially in a series like that where more the Warriors have a guy like Steph Curry where they're down by 19, 20, and you have Steph like, you know, I, we got this. Like, I'm 100% confident in us. So I don't know how much, you know, that kind of had an effect on the series, but I definitely think, you know, especially as a former basketball player, it's just – it's nice to have that guy. And I never was that guy, unfortunately, in high school, but – it definitely is nice to have that guy being like, okay, like I, I don't know, I don't care how much we're down by, we we got this in the bag. Like as long as we you know stick to our game plan and kind of don't give up, because it definitely felt like there was times where Tatum was just like checked out. He like they'd be you know be like an 11-0 run in the third quarter, and Tatum would just be like walking back, head down on defense, and it's like it's stuff like that where it's like the, the, that's where the, the great separate themselves. I feel like where regardless how bad you're down, regardless how bad you're playing on, you know, offense, I think it's the type of guys that, you know, keep going and show that they're, they're other teammates, that they're just as confident as they were at the beginning of tip-off um, is kind of what, you know, makes a championship caliber uh, star. So I think he's got a little bit to work on in that respect, and that's obviously hard to kind of work on because it's a lot of intangibles, but I think uh, I think that's something that, definitely stuck out to me. I I, I kind of agree with that because it seemed like out of all the guys, Grant Williams was the guy who was like, <laughs> we're not out of it. And uh, that's not exactly what you want. Um, <laughs> but I think that's honestly, you know, I need to see the moves the Celtics make. I think they definitely need more bench scoring help. Uh, immediate thought is Jordan Clarkson because I bet Danny Ainge is blowing up the Jazz and it, as if you're the Celtics I mean you have to invest in this team the 
I don't want to say it like the windows now, because realistically, if you can keep Tatum and Brown together their whole careers, they're going to have a lot of years. But it's just sort of like they've shown they can get to the finals. They've shown they can win games in the finals. They've shown no matter how the series is looking, they can pull it out, right? They can win games on the road and things like that. Um, but I, I need to see the moves, but it's very nerve wracking. Another year of Al Horford after the minutes he was playing. Um, because, you know, like how, how's he going to look next year? Cause he, he truly won a handful of playoff games for the Celtics. Right. I mean, that game four in Milwaukee that we needed and game one in golden state that we needed, even though we didn't pull it out in the end. And then not only that, even game six, he was the only guy trying to bring the Celtics back. Right. Um, so it's very, that's the most nerve wracking thing to me. I think there's moves that can be made to really take this team to another level, you know, and I think your only hope as far as in-house to make any sort of improvement is hoping that, you know, Neesmith can actually be valuable for you as well as hopefully Pritchard's shot being more consistent. Other than that, you need to go out and make moves. Um, and also Rob Williams being healthy would be nice. Um, he's an absolute warrior. And I think the toughest guy on this team playing with what he played through. And I hope it doesn't hurt his future health. Um, but I'm very, I'm also curious to see what happens with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely would like to kind of potentially see like an Al Horford moving to the bench, especially since there's talks with him taking like a more team-friendly deal. Um, I feel like, I don't know. There's just a lot of times during that, that final series, and I think, John, we had this conversation where I was like, I'm not a huge fan of this double big lineup. And it's just like there was more than one occasion where I could like physically point and say like, Al Horford just got exposed by Steph Curry right there because the Celtics defense is constant switching. And where Rob Williams just lacks in speed, he makes up for an athleticism where he's able to cover, you know, feet and feet of ground um, by just his, his wingspan and his, you know, his, his athleticism alone. Um, so it's just tough because I feel like obviously it's kind of too deep in a playoff run to make any with like major switches to a lineup like that, like uh, Ime Yudoka would have had it done, but that's definitely something I'd kind of like to see. I mean, obviously it's easy looking from the outside in and saying like, oh, this should, they should have done this, they should have done that, but it's definitely something that I think I'd hope would benefit them because, I mean, obviously some teams you need to run the double big and that's just kind of, I feel like it shouldn't be like an all the time where Al Horford's starting constantly because yeah, he threads the floor. Yeah, he plays great defense. I mean, you know, good defense. But I feel like just on those switches, it's such a it, – it's, it's becoming a league where there's really only on most teams only that one, you know, big guy in the floor at all times. I feel like a lot of the times he kind of gets exposed on the defensive end and it ends up, you know, costing them a lot, a lot more than people think. Um, I don't know. I've, I really liked Tatum at the four the last – couple of years and i think i don't know how i don't remember how often they used it uh but i really did like it because you know especially with the improvements to his defense i feel like he can guard you know a majority of the fours 
the only issues he'd probably have and maybe like an Anthony Davis who, you know, who knows if he's even going to be back to his old self. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think slight roster tweaks would be super nice. I mean, obviously, like you said, th there needs to be maybe one more piece on the bench to kind of round out whether that's me Smith improving or if that's a, a, a traded player exception kind of acquire acquirement, but um, yeah, and I, like you said, I think uh, there's no reason to blow it up whatsoever. But I also also don't think there's any reason to let you know your foot off the uh, off the gas because every year these guys are getting older, and every year that means you know you're more likely to have injuries. You're more likely to see guys like you know Al Horford and the and the vets kind of get too old to play, and it just becomes there becomes a point where like they're unplayable anymore. And obviously Al Horford's one of those guys that is kind of breaking the rules of time, but that's not going to last forever. And it's just, you kind of have to seize the opportunity while it's here because, you know, that is like one in a million where you have a guy who's his age playing the way he played in a finals. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I, I don't think they're going to, you know, let off the gas at all. I think it's just about making the right moves, having guys really working at it and not, you know, taking it easy because, that's where a lot of people would probably, or a lot of players would probably like, oh, you know, we made the finals. Um, I feel like we're good enough to run it back next year and win it. That's, I feel like a lot of people would run, a lot of players would run into that trap where, oh, we made it to the finals. Oh, we, you know, brought the Warriors to game six and, you know, almost pulled it out. But there was a lot to improve on, as a lot of people could probably see. And I really hope, and I really don't think that's going to happen, but I really hope they kind of take that on the chin and kind of use that to, become even better because um, I think settling is the worst thing they can do and, and becoming comfortable because there were a lot of flaws in their game and there's a lot to work on. So uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, they're still super young, super young coach, and that would have been you know really cool to see Mayadoka win it as a rookie. But um, it, it's, it's, you know, I feel like there's, it's only going up from here. Um, guys are only going to get better you're just going to hope for good health throughout the the next couple of seasons and hopefully there's a, a couple more championship runs but one season at a time you know yeah i mean i think i i agree with a lot you said i think to me horford has one year or zero years left at like the same level right i mean i think i could see him being similar to haslam right now with the heat where he's like yeah i'm here to you know try really hard in practice and try to help the guys as much as I can. And if I got to be that guy to put someone in their place or, you know, tell them they still got it, I'll be that guy. I could see him doing that with the Celtics where, yeah, he's on the team till he's like 42 taking the minimum because he just wants to be there. But at the same level as this past season, I see only like maybe one year, if zero. Right. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned Ime because truthfully, um, one of the best rookie coaches I think you've ever we've ever seen and that's very nice to be like I know we have a good coach and I trust that coach like to the end I will say the one coaching mistake he made in the playoffs was in game six or if you remember when the Warriors were going on their 21-0 run this is the lineup he had on the floor okay it was Pritchard Derek White Grant Williams, Rob Williams, and Jason Tatum. 
And it was kind of like, you need to score. These guys can't score right now. And like, I understand you're like, oh, Tatum, he's a superstar. He's going to score. But it was like something was just wrong. And like, he kept that lineup in for way too long. It was, I understand experimenting, but like that lineup went in. It was an immediate 5 0 run. He called the timeout. And then I'm pretty sure he left them in and it was another 5 0 run. And he had to call another timeout. So that was like the one coaching mistake he made. Um, but I hear, I, I hear what you're saying with like the, they won't let off the gas. My worry though, is just, it's very easy to go. They were so close to winning a title. If we just keep it the same and all the young guys improve, like they're supposed to, we just win the title. It's very easy to say that. However, I completely agree, John. I've heard a lot of people say that, and I think they do need a piece or two. I don't, I, I heavy go against the idea that you should keep teams exactly the same year to year. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I understand the logic because you go Tams 24, you know, Browns 25, right? They both had this amazing experience for their careers and probably have unreal motivation to do better, which I hope they do, right? After that, I don't know how you aren't like, I have to be back here and I have to win, right? I don't know how you can't, don't act like that. But at the same time, there were flaws with the team. I think... I think the biggest thing they need, and I actually did, I already mentioned them of Jordan Clarkson, but my idea is just, they need a bench score, you know, like the times the Celtics were the scariest and the best was when Derek white was actually scoring. Right. I mean, that's when you were like, this is so annoying at like from the opposing side of like, they have this guy on the bench who, you know, can attack and, you know, hit shots and stuff. And, so Derek White needs to get more consistent and, you know, he's younger and all that. And I, I think he'll, he'll understand that's what he needs to do, but I'm not like confident enough to rely on that. You know, I haven't exactly looked at like free agents to get and things like that. I feel like maybe we'll do a podcast, like talking about moves they can make. I know there's obviously the whole, the Bradley Beal thing that everyone seems to, um gravitate towards because him and Tatum are best friends and you know recently Beal was like yeah a bunch of stars have reached out to me and he's like I've already made my decision of what I want to do and stuff like that and everyone's speculating but the fact is if the Celtics wanted to get Bradley Beal they'd have to trade smart and use the Evan Fournier 17 mil exception which that's fine that expires July 18th so they have some time to do that but smart's really you know your identity kind of on defense I don't think he's the answer to get rid of I understand Bradley Beal but personally I'm would be terrified of bringing on Bradley Beal it's been two seasons where his season had to be shut down and I understand he's very good offensively um, but his defense isn't really there and I don't like the idea of Tatum Brown and Beal uh, on the floor sharing the ball I don't think that works great brown and tatum already don't exactly work in tandem together they kind of take turns or go who's doing the best um you saw in game six and personally it was a little frustrating because it was like like brown was doing amazing right but it was every single possession they went to him because tatum was like i give up <laughs> you know that's kind of how it was like and that was a little frustrating to me but I don't think like, you know, bringing in another star is the answer. I just think like 
you can keep what you got in Smart, Tatum, Brown, Williams, Horford, Derek White. I think those are all the guys, the main pieces. Like Neesmith, you got to like do the take the option, Sam Pritchard and all that. But um, I think it's just a bench score. Like, you know, the Jazz, I know, are blowing it up. So that's why I mentioned Jordan Clarkson. But there's plenty of guys, right? I know Joe Ingles is going to be a free agent. He's coming off a torn ACL. You can probably get him for cheap. PJ Tucker just opted out of a deal. That's another playoff guy that a playoff piece you can use. I know it's more defense, which I don't know how much defensive help the Celtics need. I know they need rebounding help because, you know, getting offensive rebounded on by Kavon Looney isn't ideal. And I think that's another step for our Williams development because too many times he just jumps for the block when you need to box out your guy, you're not blocking this, but um. I don't want to get too mad at that because his defensive impact is crazy. But, um, Will, do you have any 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 thoughts? Uh, yeah. So uh, you guys made a bunch of good points. So I, I actually have a notes page up right now, and I just kept taking notes as to not interrupt. But so this is going way back. Uh, is Steph top ten all time? I I don't think he's top ten. I think he's top like inarguably top 15 I'd go 13 ish feels right um I I actually listed out players that I absolutely cannot put him over and I have I think 11 of them um so yeah, that was, sure um I think most of these are inarguable maybe some of them it's a preference thing in no order uh actually wait I have this in order okay this is the exact order I have uh MJ LeBron Magic Shaq, Kareem, Duncan, Hakeem, Russell, Kobe, Bird. And then what? Probably Steph for me. So that that would put him at 11 or 12? Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. The Bird one for me is – sorry, not the Bird one. The Russell one for me is the easiest to argue because I get he won all the games. John, you know I'm just biased. They were eight teams in that league. I have a very tough time with Russell in terms of ranking because of it was so different. Well, I I, I think exactly. Russell, I would put him over. And um, I know you think Hakeem's the best center, so you're not going to put him over him. But I, I think there's a strong argument for Steph over Hakeem, truthfully. But, Did you say Wilt, too, at any point? No, I have I I can barely put Russell on this list. I I have such a strong bias against a team that has eight leagues, or sorry, a, a league that has eighteen. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I the the wilt over Russell, I never understood. I I get the whole stats thing with Wilt, but personally, it's just like anytime Wilt played the other actual center, he got dominated. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, so it's tough for me to put Wilt over Russell, but um, all right, we'll continue, continue with your points. Uh, going here, guys, uh, Celtics points about free agency. Um, honestly, I think you cover, covered it. So I just wanted to throw some like realistic, like legitimately realistic, like bench guy type names. Um, like Bruce Brown, if you could steal him from the Nets, that would be a really good one. Um, 40% three-point shooter. He had an off year last year, but this guy, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, he's going to want out of Sacramento, I hope. So you have a very real shot if you want him. He, I mean, he's a year removed from injury, but before that he was a valuable 
uh, role guy. Um, there's like kind of weird ones in Malik Monk or Victor Oladipo. Um, and then also possibly like, I, so I've always thought Colin Sexton would be a perfect six man. I think he'd be a great bench score off the bench, but like, I don't know how you make that money work, but that's just a name. So yeah, that's that uh, in terms of people, I realistically think the Celtics could get. And then, so I actually had a point I wanted to make too, um, kind of regarding the email stuff you guys were talking about. So I think, I used to not think this, but I think Steve Kerr is a legitimately really good basketball coach. Like he really understands, knows, and feels the game. And I know that he played with like Duncan and Jordan and all that, but like winning players also probably make winning coaches. And I would like your guys' thoughts on that because I like, he's so good at, uh, I think multiple people have pointed this out. Like this is not my take, but once they said it, I realized it. He's really good at like, instead of like, letting a 12-0 run happen, he'll just stop it at five. And so you'll never even know, like you'll never get that momentum. He's not afraid to use those timeouts. Um, and I also can't, how do you not give him credit for the Warriors being such a good third quarter team after making halftime adjustments, probably, you know, talking up his players. So yeah, that's my take. The first thing on the Sexton thing, he would have to be a trade, right? I presume. Or well, is he, he actually free restricted agent? free agent? I mean, probably sign and trade. Yeah. So the sign and trade can work because the Celtics have a trade exception for 17 million because of the Fournier deal. So that can work. And I actually do like that a lot. Truthfully, I've kind of bashed Sexton saying, I don't necessarily think he's a winning player, but I think in the right situation going, all right, you're the six man dominate the bench unit. He'd be great in that role. And that's a way you can kind of, maximize a guy's strength and a guy's like ego if you will of like needing to score oh, yeah, to help you, you. Feed, you feed his ego by saying you're you'd easily be a starter on 90 percent of teams you're the best bench guy in the league and you're going to win awards for it so and also i he remember our zach levine six man take he's yeah. my new zach levine six man take where he's clearly very overqualified to be a six man and he probably shouldn't be but yeah. it's it would be the perfect fit for him yeah, so I actually do love that, if that could be a thing. Because it also works for Cleveland, where it's like, hey, give the keys to Garland. We don't need Sexton here. And the Celtics can go, hey, we'll give you some pieces to take him on, right? Um, well, they, they have a bunch of picks, but those picks are going to be lower picks, you know, because they're going to be good. Yeah, so – I think uh, I think that's I like that little mock trade you made. Um, as far as the Kerr thing, I've always had him as like a top five coach and didn't really think it was arguable. He did out coach Ime. I think it's fair, and I do think Ime is good with the timeouts as well. Um, but I've said this to Brett, and I think a lot of people. I think the best coaches are the guys who weren't the best players, and it's because they had to you know, they had to truly work for everything as far as they weren't exactly as athletically gifted as some of the stars, whether it's height or athleticism or coordination or whatever. They had to truly understand the game and master fundamentals and things like that to even just make it into the league. He may had to play in like four or five different leagues just to get to the NBA. Steve Kerr, was just a backup his whole career and had to do whatever he could to just land on rosters. 
right? And then, you know, he wins championships and shows up in the big time games because of his mentals, you know, mentally he can stay calm and cool and hit the shots when he needs to. And I think there's a bunch of guys like that. Like Rick Carlisle wasn't the best player, great coach. Um, but that that's like my take on coaches. I, you know, Chauncey Billups to me already looks like a no-go. I was kind of thought he'd be pretty good, but the Blazers situation also wasn't great. And I do think he's made some of those worst guys seem like possible good players. But anyway, that that's that's my take on coaches. Brett, do you? Have anything to add about Steve Kerr being a good coach and all that? My badass, that was with me. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, yeah, I, I think the the main argument people bring up is, oh, he he's had these great players for so long, and you know, he's got Curry, he's had Durant, he's had Thompson, he's had Draymond, but I feel like it's a lot harder than people make it out, and I. I no, it's a lot harder than people make it out to be. Um, regardless of, of zero coaching experience, but just being not only being able to you know coach a team at that level, but also being able to handle egos and make a winning strategy with all these guys that you know probably want to be the the, the star in their own respect. Um. So I think I think he definitely deserves a lot more credit than he's got than he's been given, um, because just the 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 pedigree that he's that he should you know deserves that he deserves I believe is uh is pretty unmatched. Um, he's becoming like one of those Phil Jackson type guys to me, where it's like he's had multiple stars, he's won multiple championships not only as a player but also as a coach. Um, Obviously, the, you know, he, he's only coached one team and only won championships with one team. Um, so that's kind of the, the big difference. But like I said, I think it's just it's a lot more difficult than people make it out to to be able to make a winning strategy with all these egos that, you know, you have guys that are going to want to score 50 a game. You're going you're to have guys that are going to want to, you know, do X, Y, Z. But especially Draymond, I think that's the, the biggest thing people don't talk about, being able to handle a guy like him and still use him effectively, which he did. I mean, I think for me, that was one of the biggest things in games five and six where Draymond actually became a little bit more effective than he was in the first, you know, three or four games where he was actually hitting shots. He was actually being efficient. He was actually, you know, making the right plays. I feel like that probably, you know, obviously I can't, look into the huddle and see exactly what happened. But I feel like a big thing with Curb, you know, seeing that Draymond was, you know, letting his ego get to his head and, and making the right adjustments to, you know, kind of let him be him, but also, you know, use him as, as effectively as possible. I mean, as much as I hate Draymond as a player, not only as a, a Celtics fan, but just as an NBA fan, I think, I think Kerr made a lot of great adjustments to kind of use them effectively and kind of fit into, into the game plan, whereas uh, a lot of coaches probably wouldn't have been able to. So, you know, losing to the Warriors as a Celtics fan wasn't, you know, it, it was obviously tough because, you know, you had the, the, the Curry celebrations in game six. You had Draymond, you know, talking smack the entire series. Um, but just 
the amount of greatness on that team, not only with, you know, Curry, but Kerr with Thompson, um, it, it was, it was, you know, they kind of had to, to hang their hat and be able to say like, yeah, that's, that's a good team. I mean, obviously I would have loved the Celtics to, to beat them, but it, it was, I had to respect a lot with what they had to do. Um, you can just tell that they were much more experienced and, you know, Kerr has had that experience, like you said, play with so many great players he's coached so many great players um yeah i mean i guess i just kind of recap he just he deserves a lot more credit than i think he's he's given um, i don't really think he I, I think the mentals comes down to it and i think he doesn't let that affect him because he knows how great he is and he doesn't need other people's opinions i'm sure he's not even on social media to kind of to let that affect him but um yeah, his his resume is insane, and I think uh, he deserves more respect than he's given. Yeah, you also forgot to mention uh, Clay's post game interview talking about Celtics fans, which that infuriated me. But <laughs> you know, I, I I doubt no one at the Chase Center is swearing Clay, and it's probably because you can't hear them as loud as you can hear Boston fans. But anyway, also I I. I respect Warriors. I still hate them, especially now that they took my coach from the Hornets. So, you know, tough, tough one for me to swallow because they got Kenny Atkinson who I liked and I always root for the Hornets hoping one day, you know, maybe we'll not be a 10 seed to make the playoffs. And then the Warriors talked to him once. And he's like, Oh, actually I'm going to stay. Yeah. But uh, you're going to get Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. We're going to score 120 points a game and give up 140 points a game. <laughs> But, you know, that's that's a discussion for another day. Uh, I think we pretty much hit on everything. I didn't want this to be too long. It's just I'm sure some people wanted to hear our thoughts, uh, considering, you know, at least Brett and I are Celtics fans. Um, so people wanted to know how we were feeling. But thank you, too, for joining. We'll... Definitely be having a podcast talking about the NBA draft after it happens because I didn't realize it was Thursday, so we're not going to have enough time to do a preview, but we'll do a recap of it um, so that that will be coming out at some point. But thank you all for listening. Um, that's it from us, and stay tuned.